With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, RingCentral makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at ringcentral.com. RingCentral, simpler communications. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Choose from a great selection of digital coupons and use them up to five times in one transaction. Check our app for details. Baker's, fresh for everyone. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. On the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And welcome back, MD Nation, to the show. You are listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network, WWSRN, presented to you by Belly Up Sports. And as always, I'm your host, Dan Bader. We got a lot of things to talk about today in the early window of Week 9 matchups where we talk about everything fantasy football related, all the injury updates, all the COVID updates, and what our fantasy expectations are as our rankings are up to date as of this moment on the BellyUpFantasySports.com website. You can go ahead and check that out at any time. Always a lot of great content on there too. So of course we have to start off the show one way and one way only. And first, I want to thank you all for prying yourselves away from the news channels, from watching the election as still growing as a tight one there. So I'm glad to offer you guys some entertainment to give yourselves a little bit of a break. So thank you for tuning in while this is going on in our nation. But we have to start off the show with, of course, our This Week in COVID segment, unfortunately. And this one is shaping up to be a pretty bad week because there's a lot of teams getting affected this week after we were pretty positive when we had a Saturday last week where absolutely no player, no staff member in the NFL had tested positive for COVID. We were really, really hopeful that we were actually going to be able to get on the other side of this thing maybe. And all of a sudden this week, I feel like almost every single team has had somebody infected. And because of the new intensive high-risk 
contact uh, protocols put in by the NFL, we're now dealing with a whole new set of rules, which is really affecting players getting out more so than anything else. Now, I do like it on its surface because it is being proactive, something the NFL really has not been throughout this entire process, which I think has made this more complicated than anything else. But for these Thursday night games, and we're going to talk about the 49ers and the Green Bay Packers in a minute, for these Thursday night games, they got to come up with being more flexible in postponing games because all of a sudden we had a couple couple weeks where they shifted around some games and now all of a sudden the NFL seems like they just want to stick their feet in the concrete and not budge on actually moving these games around. We'll talk about that before we dive into all the fantasy analysis for the Thursday night matchup. But the players, the teams that we want to talk about right here, right now for you guys is the Bears offensive lineman. I don't like to name names. I know that it's in the media. You'll be able to find out who it is. I don't typically like to name names unless it's very fantasy relevant, and we have to talk about it from that aspect of it. But I don't believe in naming names when it comes to letting people know uh, who had COVID and stuff like that. So we had an offensive lineman from the Chicago Bears. You had a Colts staff member test positive, and we had a Texans linebacker test positive. All those teams shut down their facilities today. They are all going to be conducting from a virtual uh, standpoint, and they're all doing their high-risk contact associations. Now, be in case you haven't heard or are a little bit confused exactly what the high-risk contact protocol now is for the NFL, it is simply this. If you are deemed somebody who is in contact with a player or staff member, or if even family member, because we have the Detroit Lions and Matthew Stafford who's going through it right now. Forgot to mention that one. That's a big one for fantasy football purposes. You have to isolate for at least five days and test negative every single one of those days in order to be able to play that week. Now, of course, the problem with that, and we're running into that with the 49ers and Green Bay Packers right now for Thursday night, is that if you test positive or if you have somebody on your team that tests positive and you get deemed a high-risk contact and you have a Thursday game and you don't find that out until Monday, you have absolutely zero chance to play in that game. Same can be said for these teams that are having these players test positive now. On a Thursday or a Wednesday, all of a sudden, anybody else who gets deemed a high-risk contact will now be very much in question and possibly out come Sunday. Now, the only thing right now working in Matthew Stafford's favor is that he was able to find this out early on in the week, I believe on Tuesday. So he, as long as he tests negative every single day this week he will actually be eligible to come back and play on Sunday. So that's the good news for Matthew Stafford, potentially, as long as he continues to test negative. But this really throws a whole whammy into things. We saw a slew of players get te- get pretty much have to go out in this matchup in tonight's game, in a Thursday night game with the San Francisco 49ers and the Green Bay Packers. Brandon Ayuk, he's out. We have Jamal Williams on Green Bay side. He's out. A.J. Dillon's the one who actually tested positive. He's gone. It's absolutely insane. The San Francisco 49ers, have, they lose Kendrick Bourne. Who are they going to play in tonight's game? They already lost Tevin Coleman and George Kittle and Jimmy Garoppolo, all the injury there. You already didn't have Debo Samuel, who wasn't going to play anyway because he's still on the IR. Green Bay Packers may be down to their practice squad running backs because we don't know if Aaron Jones is going to play. He's still very questionable and leaning towards not playing in tonight's matchup. So we're going to have to, that's going to be a game time decision most likely. We're going to have to watch that all the way through. Make sure you stay with us on Twitter at BellyUpMDFFShow. We'll keep you up to date with that throughout the day. But why is this game being played on a Thursday night? All of these guys, because they tested negative, everybody tested negative today. So that's, that's the good news as far as this matchup goes. But all of these guys would be eligible 
When I, Brandon Ayuk, Jamal Williams, uh, Kendrick Bourne, because he continues to test negative. All of Trent Williams, that's a big one for the 49ers in the offensive line. He's also out for the game because he was considered a high-risk contact. All of these players would be eligible Sunday if they continue to test negative if they just move it to Sunday. Or better yet, move it to Monday. If you want to keep it a primetime game, fine. You want to keep it on the Thursday night type of broadcast on the NFL Network and simulcast with either CBS or Fox or whoever it is tonight, fine. Move it to Monday night. They still keep the primetime game. You still get the money for it. We Everyone has come to love the doubleheaders on Monday. There's absolutely no reason not to move this game. Why are we forcing these teams? We pretty much have our down to their practice squad guys. In the 49ers case, I mean, it's... It's the JV of the JV. It's it's the freshman team out there uh, going into tonight's game because it's all their own injuries before this whole COVID issue hit with their team. And now on top of it, nobody wants to watch this game tonight. You're going to watch it if you're betting. You're going to watch it if you have fantasy football players. But if you're a 49ers fan, why would you want to watch this onslaught? Even if you're a Green Bay Packers fan, why do you want to watch Tyler Irvin or Dexter Williams? You're the NFL. You want the best ratings possible? Move this game to Monday night. People will watch. People like the doubleheader. And you'll actually have more quality players on the field making it for a more quality game. It makes absolutely no sense that they are forcing these teams to play this game tonight. Because if you just move it to Monday, it doesn't affect anything. Not one of these teams are playing next Thursday. So if you move it to a Monday night, how does that affect them for the following week? You wouldn't have to do anything for the schedule. So why this game is still going on, I don't know. I think a lot of people are of the same mind that I have when it comes to this, except for, of course, the people that it actually matters, which is the NFL. And this is something we're just going to have to go through, unfortunately. Now, as far as this actual game, we can actually get to the fantasy analysis of it. Now I was able to get that little rant off my chest because I just had to because it just, it just made no sense. It just made no sense on any capacity. But now that we got that out of the way, let's actually get into the fantasy relevance of this game. And clearly, because of all the slew of players that are going to be out and all the mixed matches and everything else coming up, we have a lot to talk about when it comes to this game. Let's start on the Green Bay Packers side of the ball. Let's start with the running back position. Now, on my rankings, I have Dexter Williams at 32. I have Tyler Irvin at 28. And if... We're in a situation where you desperately need a play, and you might because we have injuries, we have COVID issues that we're worried about, we have another heavy bye week this week in week nine. If you're looking and desperately trying to find some kind of RB2, then Tyler Irvin can have some appeal to you, especially if you're talking about full-point PPR league, but half-point PPR leagues too. Because my guess would be, my feeling would be, that he would get at least all of the passing down work. Because Dexter, Dexter Williams is not a passing down guy. He's been on the practice squad. He's horrible at pass protection. There's no way they're going to trust him back there with Aaron Rodgers when they actually go to throw the ball. I think the only question is, will Tyler Irvin also get a lot of carries or will that go to Dexter Williams? My thought, and we, don't, we have no data to go off of this. We're just using, we're trying to apply our logical sense to a illogical situation to a messy situation to try to see through what we could possibly expect and why both of these guys wind up being RB3 potentially flex plays for me. Dexter Williams, his fantasy value is going to be neatly tied to the possibility of him scoring a goal line touchdown because our assumption is, my assumption is, that they would use him in short yardage situations, run him on first and second down, things of that nature. I think Tyler Irvin would have had a chance, would have had a chance to be the bell cow back if he was not coming into this game 
already a little bit injured and already a little bit banged up because of the wrist injury that he was suffering from. So as a result of that, I don't know how many times they're going to want to pound him between the tackles when they're just trying to eke out a tough yard here or there. Uh, so as a result of that, I think Dexter Williams will lead the way in carries. Tyler Irvin's still going to get his, and I wouldn't be surprised if he still got 10 carries to maybe Williams' is 15. And I think a lot of Williams' work, I think a lot of the running game work, won't really come until the second half. I expect the Packers to, to take care of the 49ers in this game. I think just there's nothing offensively the 49ers are really going to be able to attack them with. Their best weapons are going to be Jerick McKinnon, Jermichael Hasty, maybe Jordan Reed, but we still haven't gotten official word that he's definitely going to be back, that he's definitely going to be activated from IR. We're still waiting on that to happen. Now, it might happen. He's been practicing. They're hoping to have him, but we don't know that for sure. Their lead receivers right now are going to be Trent Taylor, maybe Richie James getting activated off of his injury, and Kevin White. Those are going to be their lead wide receivers. And their running backs, we already knew they were down to Michael Hasty and Jarek McKinnon, which we're going to get, get into in a second and what, we, what our value status is for them. It's a mess. It's an absolute mess. So even with the Packers not having Aaron Jones, not having Jamal Williams, not having A.J. Dillon, I still expect them to take care of business in this game, meaning they might give some tough carries to Dexter Williams later on. They might give him a goal line carry or two, making him somewhere in that RB3 territory. Now, my overall fantasy advice to you guys would be if you can find a way to avoid the situation entirely, that's what I would do because it's not a good matchup against the San Francisco 49ers for the running back situation, especially running the ball. Irvin, like I said, he has a little bit more value. I think it's a pretty good determination that he might get five to six catches in this game because when you look at it on what the Packers are probably going to do to move the football, being that the 49ers are already good against good running backs and good running games, they're going to probably throw the ball to move the football tonight. Going to be a, there's going to be a lot more quick passing to try to make a running game out of that. I think Tyler Irvin's going to be involved in that capacity. So I think there's a high floor. I'm not expecting a big ceiling. I don't know if he scores a touchdown. He's not that type of guy either. But I do think if you're talking about half point and full point PPR leagues, there is going to be a floor to Tyler Irvin's game tonight, which is why he comes in at RB28 for me in half point PPR leagues. So that's kind of how we're looking at that situation. But it's a mess. And like I said, if you can avoid it, that would be the best thing overall, I believe, for you guys. So let's talk about some of the other guys. We talked about how we believe that the Packers will have to throw the ball to move the ball. What does that mean? Well, that means Aaron Rodgers comes in at number six quarterback for us on the night. I don't know how many points the Packers are going to feel like they have to score. I don't know how aggressive they're going to feel like they have to be. And that's kind of why I hesitate to some degree as exactly you know him coming in the top three necessarily. Because uh, I do think it's going to be a lot more quick passing, a lot more uh, timed routes. And, you know, of course he could go off. And Ron, Aaron Rodgers has been playing great. Devontae Adams has been playing great. I do think this is a secondary with a banged-up safety unit that you could take advantage of down the field against the San Francisco 49ers if you have the right pieces to do so. So he definitely has a high ceiling, and you're definitely playing him. But at the very, at the very worst... You have a high floor out of Aaron Rodgers because I expect high volume out of this passing game, which is why he's QB6 for us. Not that you were going to bench him at all this week, but you've got to feel pretty good about the floor that he offers. And it might be Rodgers who's actually going to use his legs to try to open up some things on the running game tonight too. Devontae Adams comes in at wide receiver 6 for us. 
The only reason he's not the wide receiver one necessarily is because if the Packers do become one-dimensional, I could see San Francisco's defense making it a little bit more difficult for Devontae Adams or a little bit more difficult for the passing game to really be super efficient. That's why I, that's why I like the floor. I know there's going to be a lot of volume there, but I question how efficient they're going to be if they wind up being one-dimensional from start to finish. Just something to keep your eye on. Obviously, Adams is a wide receiver one. You're not benching him, but just to kind of put that out there, we do have him at wide receiver six on the week. I'll mention Alan Lazard. He actually is making the trip with the team, which I thought was interesting. As of right now, we're still not really expecting him to play. Uh, I think the notion was more about him playing next week, but it was interesting that he's getting on the flight and going with the team to San Francisco. You generally do not do that unless you're possibly, or at the very least possibly, at least a 50-50 that you're going to be getting activated. Now, you're not playing Alan Lazard at all as far as fantasy football purposes go, but if he's out there on your waiver wire, he's an interesting pickup. They didn't make the move for Will Fuller like we all were kind of hoping that they would just to see Aaron Rodgers with a second wide receiver outside of Devontae Adams for once in his life. But we're not going to see that. So Alan Lazard is going to be the guy for the rest of the season. That is somebody you can kind of take a look at for your fantasy football purposes uh, later on in the year. Not for tonight's game, even if he's active, but for starting next week and on, I think there's a good chance that you can kind of look in that direction. Robert Tanyan comes in at tight end 10 for us. Again, this goes back to I expect there to be high volume in the passing game, and I expect there to be more shorter type of routes, more shorter passing units to kind of kind of create a running game, if you will, off of that. I think Robert Tanyan is somebody who comes in. He's had pretty good volume on a consistent basis so far. I know he hasn't had a big game, you know, since his three-touchdown performance when Devontae Adams was out. But I think they're going to lean on Tanyan to be that second-pass catcher in tonight's game outside of Devontae Adams. And we're talking about half-point and full-point PPR leagues especially. I just think there's a decent floor to Robert Tanyan's game, thinking that he's going to get five or six catches for 50 or 60 yards at minimum in this matchup, I think is a pretty good bet. And that will put him right around that tight end 10 situation. And if he scores on top of it, then he gets boosted up into possibly a top five tight end on the week if that one simple act just happens. So Robert Tanyan comes in at tight end 10 for us. Definitely somebody I think you could pick up and stream and expect a decent floor out of given the expected game script uh, heading into tonight's matchup. So we talked about the injuries, we talked about that, we move on into San Francisco's side of things where everything's just an absolute mess. So like I said, no Ayuk, no Debo Samuel, no George Kittle, no Jimmy Garoppolo, no Tevin Coleman, still no Raheem Mostert. You're dwindling down here. I'm not looking at the wide receivers at all, Trent Taylor, Kevin White, I don't, whoever Joe Schmo they pull up off the street, we're, we're not looking at from a fantasy football standpoint. The only thing we're examining here as having possible value is the running back situation between McKinnon and Hasty. Now, I'm going to have a take for you guys that seemingly is the controversial aspect or the opposite aspect of where I hear most people leaning. Most people are leaning towards Jermichael Hasty, not Jerick McKinnon being the lead guy or being the more valuable running back. I rebuke that 100% entirely. You go back and you watch this game. Jerick McKinnon had more snaps. I think a lot of people are kind of aware of that by now. But it wasn't just that he had more snaps on Jermichael Hasty during the game because everyone's caveat argument to that has been, well, they were down a lot, so they brought Jerick McKinnon in as the better pass catcher. Yes and no. They were down a lot before they started bringing Jerick McKinnon in. The difference was when Jimmy Garoppolo left the game and they went to Nick Mullins, it was no longer Jermichael Hasty. It was Jerick McKinnon from that point on. It was when they made the quarterback switch, not when they were down by multiple scores, that they made that switch. 
There's something to that. Nick Mullins and Jarek McKinnon were lined up together when McKinnon had decent games when Tevin Coleman and Raheem Mostert were out in that first stint. They need pass-catching weapons in tonight's game as we've listed all the injuries. More so than they need guys who became able to run the ball because both McKinnon and Hasty can run the ball, especially against the Green Bay Packers. They need guys who can catch the ball. McKinnon is going to have to be a safety blanket in tonight's game for Nick Mullins. It will be Jarek McKinnon, I believe, as the more valuable back than Jamichael Hasty. I think they rested up his legs the past couple of weeks. And the fact that he had more snaps than Hasty last week, the fact that Hasty himself did not look good against Seattle. And this Seattle's defense is a defense you can run on. He did not look good. He was not efficient. I know everyone said he scored a touchdown. McKinnon got a red zone uh, carry and scored a touchdown as well. He had a horrible fumble, and this is a guy that when you watch him on tape and you really study what exactly he's doing out there, he's a one-cut runner. Once he gets north and south, and there's a hole where the hole is supposed to be, yes, he explodes through. He has some speed burst, but when the hole is not where it's supposed to be, Jermichael Hasty does not have vision. And that was why he fumbled the football. He doesn't have the lateral quickness to bounce it out and make something happen, which is something that... 49ers running backs in the Shanahan system need to be able to have. And I'm not saying he doesn't have the athletic ability to do it. He doesn't have the vision to do it. And that, like I said, that fumble was horrendous. He didn't look good against Seattle, period. Now, Green Bay is even a worse rush defense uh, than Seattle is. That much is true. And I'm not saying Jermichael Hasty's not going to be involved. There's a very good chance he gets double-digit carries in this game. But I think both running backs are going to get double-digit carries. And Jerick McKinnon is going to be the pass-catching down back. And they're going to have to lean on him because they don't have any pass catchers. So they're going to have to use him as a safety blanket in tonight's game. I think that's what you're going to see. I think the reason that if it was C.J. Bethard, I would probably lean more towards Hasty because I think they would run a different type of offense. But with Nick Mullins being that he leans so much on the short check down game to kind of create a running game off of that as well. It's going to be Jarek McKinnon. It's not going to be Jermichael Hasty in tonight's game. So I have both of these guys as playable options. I have Hasty at running back 29. So he is in the flex conversation, mostly because of the landscape right now of the NFL, especially at running back. People are just searching for some kind of warm body who has some kind of potential to put him in. So he does work into our RB3 territory. But McKinnon comes in as a low-end RB2 when it comes to 12-man leagues. He comes in at RB23 for us because I'm counting on that passing down work. I'm counting on him getting at least as many carries as Jamichael Hasty, if not more. So that's how we're looking at this, especially with Nick Mullins being the quarterback. Outside of that, Jordan Reed, if he's activated, we do like him quite a bit. We expect a high volume for him. He'll be the most likely pass catcher to score a touchdown out of everybody if he's activated. We still don't know that just to be the fact yet. That'll probably happen. It could happen during the show or maybe after the show. We'll find out for sure. I'm just getting worried now. We're actually going to go ahead and hit the breaking news. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, Ring Central makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. 
because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at ringcentral.com. Ring Central, simpler communications. Breaking news. So the Kansas City Chiefs just had a staff member test positive for COVID-19 today. After practice this morning, the team will shut down its facility and work remotely for the rest of the day. So add the Kansas City Chiefs onto the COVID list, the COVID list of teams that people are not worried about. Because it was a staff member, there's at least a better chance that there won't be as many players who wind up getting dinged for being high-risk contacts. But we will have to see what comes of that with that now coming out just now, uh, fresh off the presses. So, yeah, it's getting brutal out there. The second wave of Corona is real, and we're starting to see it now in the NFL. Add the Chiefs, like I said, to the Bears, to the Texans, to the Colts, to the Lions for guys that are dealing with COVID issues heading into this week. Make sure you're following us on Twitter at BellyUpMDFFShow, and we'll keep you up to date all throughout the week on that. So uh, now we come back to it. Jordan Reed, if he's active because of the role that he would probably have right away, we do have him at tight end eight. So he's a top streaming option for us. If he's activated for tonight's game, of course. So something to kind of keep your eyes out on, especially for those streaming at the tight end position. We'd actually have him a couple spots ahead of Robert Tanyan for tonight's matchup. All right, now that we talked about that game, there was there was just a lot, there was just a lot to unpack in that game, frankly. We can move on now to our first early window Sunday game. When we're talking about the Denver Broncos, we're talking about the Atlanta Falcons. Two teams that actually had some COVID issues they were dealing with themselves earlier in the week, but there seems to be less. Uh, pessimism or less concern, I should say, right now surrounding these two organizations heading into this week's matchup. So we're going to go off of the this this game in particular will go off without a hitch. As of right now, we're pretty confident about that. Of course, anything could change at any moment, though. We'll start with the Broncos side of the ball. This is probably going to be the only week that I will have Drew Locke ranked as a quarterback that is possibly a streaming option. And as you could guess, it's only because it's Atlanta who cures a lot of ills when you're looking at quarterbacks and what their streaming potentials are, what their fantasy potentials are. So we have him at QB 12 this week. He had a good showing last week in the second half. He looked like he got a little bit more rhythm. He looked like he got a little bit more confidence. So Drew Locke is somebody heading into an Atlanta game that may be having some momentum on his side. Now, I still don't view him as a very good quarterback or the future of this franchise in any capacity, but it's the Atlanta Falcons, and they're going to be on the road. Philip Lindsay is a bit of a question mark. He didn't practice yesterday because of a foot issue. We're going to have to watch that throughout the week. We don't. He's going to be very questionable, we think, going into that game. So they're going to have to lean on Melvin Gordon. Atlanta's offense, while we expect them to be missing Calvin Ridley, they still have Julio Jones. And as long as they have Julio Jones, Matt Ryan will still find a way to play well. Calvin Ridley here or there doesn't seem to matter. Julio Jones is the one, as long as he's out in the field, Ryan will still be able to play well. Drew Locke may be forced into a situation where he has to throw the ball a lot again in the second half. If nothing else, it's a decent matchup. If you are streaming for quarterbacks out there, and there's a lot of good guys on by this week, where a lot of people are put in some tough situations, this is one matchup, one matchup, the only matchup of the year where Drew Locke will be a streaming option for us at the QB 12 position. Jerry Judy looked good last week, especially, especially I should add, if Tim Patrick comes back. And we'll talk about Tim Patrick, too. He's still dealing with that hamstring injury. It does sound like they seem more optimistic that he will be able to suit up this week. He was unable to last week. 
still questionable with the hamstring, but if he's able to go, we actually have him at wide receiver 24. Not just because of the matchup, because he's been the number one wide receiver when he has been out there. He's been a big target for Drew Locke. He's kind of taken over that Cortland Sutton role within the offense when he's able to go. So he becomes a nice, sneaky sleeper pickup for you guys out there looking for flexes, looking for wide receivers. He's available in a lot of leagues still. Tim Patrick is somebody, if, if he looks, he's starting to look like he's ready to go, and we'll keep you up to date on that on social media, go ahead and pick him up because he's somebody you're going to want to play this week. He has a heck of a floor and a decent ceiling given the matchup. So that also kind of goes into why Drew Locke sort of becomes a streamer for us this week because if you have Tim Patrick back, which we're kind of leaning towards that possibly being the case, then you have Jerry Judy, who did play well last week. He comes in at wide receiver 35 for us this week, so he's a possible low-end flex play, especially when we talk about half-point, full-point PPR. K.J. Hamler, who in and of himself is not going to have any fantasy value for you, but he's actually healthy, and he has the ability to stretch the field and kind of open more things up for Tim Patrick and Jerry Judy. And, not to mention, Noah Fant, who we have at tight end four this week. I know things, I know people have been worried about, oh, Albert O and all this. Look at last week. Now, Albert O winds up scoring a touchdown, yes, but he wasn't involved very much in the passing game. Noah Fant was getting a lot of targets, a lot of looks. He can still be the number one pass catcher for this team. With the tight end situation being the way it is, playing against the Atlanta Falcons, he comes in at tight end four for us. So if all these weapons are going to actually be fantasy relevant for the Denver Broncos, which isn't something that's going to happen very often, then Drew Locke can also have a chance to be a stream-worthy quarterback. So Atlanta Falcons just a team that really cures all ills. Uh, one of the many defenses this year that seemingly gives everybody a boost whenever you go to play them. Now let's switch over to the Atlanta side. We talked about how Calvin Ridley, we don't really expect him to be able to go in this game. I didn't rank him this week. I know that uh, the Falcons right now are calling him day-to-day with the foot issue. I don't see how he suits up this week, especially when the Atlanta Falcons have a bye in Week 10. You're out of the playoff race. There's no reason to get the future of your wide receiver core, which is going to be Calvin Ridley, there's no reason to risk him for the long term to get him more banged up. So you're probably going to hold him out. He has a bye week. He comes back healthy in week 11. I think that's more realistic of what you're looking at when it comes to a Calvin Ridley right now. So Julio Jones as a result of that, because he has a hell of a floor now with the expected targets with no Calvin Ridley in the lineup. And of course, he always has the Julio Jones ceiling. He comes in at wide receiver two for us this week. Because again, against the Broncos... They're a tough team to run on, but you can move the ball by throwing the ball down the field, especially on this team. So that's what I expect the Atlanta Falcons to have to do. It's why I like Matt Ryan this week. He's definitely a quarterback that you can play as a low-end QB1. We kind of had him ranked around that range for the most part this season, but he's definitely a guy who comes in for us at that range. So we like him there. And with Julio Jones and being that you have to throw the ball to move on the Denver Broncos. We also like Hayden Hurst at tight end six for us in this game. So we like the tight ends in this game quite a bit heading into this matchup. Not something that we see all the time very often where we're like, oh yeah, let's fire up all these tight ends. So Hayden Hurst is a very strong option for us this week. He'll take on some of that target share from Calvin Ridley and he'll be a possible red zone threat because we all know that the Falcons are allergic to throwing the ball to Julio Jones in the red zone, whether there's Uh, another good receiver or not on the other side of the field. So we know Hayden Hurst has a really good shot at a red zone touchdown too. And Matt Ryan's kind of due to throw a passing touchdown. He didn't throw one last week. He ran one in. So what does that mean for Todd Gurley? Well, Todd Gurley is just going to be Todd Gurley where he's, he's touchdown dependent. 
we still have an RB14 because we know if the Falcons get on the one-yard line, they're at least going to give Gurley an opportunity to score as, as, as part of that you know goal-line stance, basically. So while we don't expect a lot of yards out of him and we expect him to not be very efficient because, one, this is a tough matchup for running backs, but, two, he hasn't been really been efficient much this year anyway, we still expect Gurley to have a legitimate shot at getting a touchdown or possibly two, just given his role in this offense and what we've seen so far this year. He still has to come in at RB14. He still has to come in as a must-play, as a high-end RB2. Again, give look at the rankings. When you look at the rankings on bellyupfantasysports.com uh, and you look up Dan Mater, because we're the, we're the first one on the weekly rankings when you go to that tab, and you look at the running back landscape, you'll find real quickly why some of these running backs have a lot of value this week because... There just aren't many. There just aren't many. Between injuries and bye weeks, especially this week, there just aren't many guys to go after. So, yeah, Todd Gurley comes in, RB14. The only other guy I'm going to mention, I usually don't mention guys I have ranked outside of the top 36 at either the running back or wide receiver position, but we do have Russell Gage ranked at wide receiver 37. Again, Hayden Hurst Gage should be picking up the slack when it comes to the extra targets left behind by Calvin Ridley expecting him to be out uh, this week. So let's move on into the Seattle Seahawks and the Buffalo Bills, which should be a shootout on paper as long as the weather holds up. Now, it is in Buffalo, so who knows? But as long as the weather is decent, and when I say as long as the weather is decent, as long as it's not windy, I expect this game to be a shootout. Chris Carson, we're not going to know anything until Friday. They they already came out and said that they're resting him until Friday. If he can go and practice on Friday, he might have a shot on Sunday. If not, then he might be out. Carlos Hyde has already been ruled out for this game as well on the Seattle side of things. So if you have DJ Dallas, and I think a lot of people probably picked him up, and he was on our waiver wire report on Tuesday night as a guy you need to pick up just in case Carson missed again, in case Carlos Hyde missed again. Well, while he didn't look great, and it was against San Francisco 49ers, He's he still showed you that they are willing to give him all the volume with, you know, everyone else being out, but over Travis Homer. I think that was the more important point there was that even though Travis Homer was a little bit banged up heading into that game, he was still activated and hardly involved. So I believe that they'll stick with DJ Dallas if Carson cannot go. Now we do have ranked we do have Carson ranked right now. We do have him ranked as if we are expecting him to play. Now, these rankings will be updated throughout the weekend, and they'll be well up to date into Sunday morning for you guys before you have to start setting your lineups and everything like that. But if Carson does play, we have him in RB9. Will he be possibly limited? Yes. But if he's good to go against Buffalo in a game that we expect high-scoring opportunities for, Carson's going to be good for a couple goal-line carries. So we have an RB9 if he can actually suit up and play in Sunday's game, an expected shootout game. If he can't, we'll get back to him where we have DJ Dallas ranked. He'll be inside the top 24. I can tell you that. He'll be, he'll be considered an RB2 if Chris Carson cannot go. As far as the wide receivers for Seattle goes, we have Lockett and Metcalf both ranked inside the top 10. Lockett at 7, Metcalf at 8. Of course, I could flip-flop. Both of these guys are must-plays in your lineup every single week. And I actually went back and looked at this, and it looks like Tyler Lockett is actually amongst the top three of scorers when it comes to running back and wide receivers right now. It's just... So all this hype that Metcalf has been getting, Tyler Lockett's been right there with him this entire time. It seems to go kind of back and forth a little bit from a week to week. I think this is a game in which, given what we expect the game script to be, what these two teams have been so far this season, this is a game where we could easily see Lockett and Metcalf both turning in top 10 performances this week. So fire him up with confidence. Obviously, Russell Wilson, 
He comes in our number two quarterback on the week. He's going to have another great game against his Buffalo's Bills defense, which has been really struggling as of late, along with Seattle's defense, which leads us into Buffalo and Josh Allen, who's our QB4 on the week. Now, I've been talking about this for the past several weeks. I think Josh Allen is back to being the Josh Allen quarterback that I know him to be. Being inconsistent, not always field aware, being a guy that you can't always trust to make the play when you need him to, but we're talking about a fantasy football perspective. We're talking about the Seattle Seahawks, another defense that cures a lot of ills when it comes to offenses. This is in Buffalo, which I think gives them a bit of a boost as well. And, of course, you always have his legs that you're going to be able to go off of in a game in which should be high scoring. So there's going to be a lot of throws. I would expect Josh Allen to throw the ball plus 40 times in this game. Plus 40 times in this game. That will allow him, even if he throws a couple interceptions, to still give you great fantasy potential. He comes in at QB4. You're not moving off of Josh Allen, even though from an NFL standpoint, he has not been playing nearly as well over the past couple of weeks. Devin Singletary, Zach Moss. Devin Singletary, Zach Moss. Devin Singletary, Zach Moss. So here's the deal. I am not ready to just jump on the Zach Moss leads the way campaign because the touches were still 50-50 last week. And Devin Singletary, from an efficiency standpoint, was just as efficient, if not a little bit more efficient, than Zach Moss last week. The only difference was Zach Moss was the one who scored two touchdowns. Again, something that's very fickle, especially in this offense, when you have a quarterback like Josh Allen. So, what do we have? We have both of these guys as people you can play as RB3s. They're both flex options to you. I wouldn't feel great about playing either one of them. It is a game in which it has high-scoring opportunity. So again, if you're just looking for a flex play, if you're looking for an RB2 who might have some potential this week, I think these are guys that you can plug and play in those situations. Again, ideally, I would avoid it altogether if I could. Because we're still waiting to see this thing play out. I'm still waiting for one of these guys to become the guy. Is it trending towards Zach Moss's direction? Yes. I think the team wants Zach Moss to take over at some point. I think it's clear that they just want Devin Singletary to kind of be a change of pace back. They don't want him to be the main guy. But that still has not come to fruition when it comes to the actual opportunities. And Zach Moss has an injury history, which is kind of the issue right now. I think that's what I think that's what's been holding him back. Not just because he was injured earlier this season, but I think they are a little bit worried about if they give him too much work, will he get hurt again? I think that's a real thing. So, again, I'm not ready to just say it's Zach Moss's job just because he's the one who scored two touchdowns last week. They both come in as RB3s. They both come in as viable flex plays, viable bye week fill-ins. But, again, I'm not going to love the potential because I think there's going to be a lot of emphasis on the passing game, and I could easily see this being a week where it's Josh Allen getting those goal line touchdowns, not either one of these running backs heading into this matchup. So that then brings us to Stephon Diggs. Stephon Diggs is our number one Number one wide receiver on the week. Seattle makes everybody look good. Look at the 49ers last week. Nick Mullins came in for a quarter after Jimmy Garoppolo finally went out of the game because he was clearly just not healthy at any point uh, and hasn't really been for the next few weeks and has what they're calling a whole new high ankle injury on the same foot now. Nick Mullins comes in the fourth quarter and he lights it up. Brian Ayuk goes off. Kendrick Bourne. Kendrick Bourne had a good game, of all people. Stephon Diggs has had a high floor, even while Josh Allen has not been playing particularly well over the past three weeks, because he is getting double-digit targets. You give Stephon Diggs 
double-digit targets against this Seattle secondary right now, I give you wide receiver one on the week. Period. Especially in a game that we expect to be a shootout. So love Stephon Diggs this week. Love him, love him, love him. And if, if you were somebody, and I wouldn't recommend this at all, but if you were somebody who wanted to possibly look into selling high on a Stephon Diggs because you were worried about how Josh Allen has been playing as of late, well, let me tell you what. You're going to be able to sell him probably for whatever the heck you want after this week. Now, that's not my advice. Don't If you're listening on the podcast, if you're watching the stream here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network, I am not saying to you to sell high on Stephon Diggs. I think you should be keeping Stephon Diggs. Because even while Allen's been playing bad, Diggs has been giving you a high floor. And we all know what his capabilities are when he's able to actually get down the field and bust a couple for you. He can win you a week by himself. So that wouldn't be my advice. But for some of the people out there, because I've been hearing a lot of it and seeing a lot of it, if you were looking for a week to sell him high off of, it would be after this one. We haven't wide receiver one on the week. John Brown comes in as a wide receiver three. We haven't wide receiver 32. He's gonna practice. He didn't practice yesterday. It was a Veterans Day. We expect him back at practice today. He he will he'll be practicing in full today and tomorrow. That's the expectation. So from a health standpoint, he should be good to go. I know that he's been a bit of a disappointment as of late. A lot of that tied to Josh Allen. And once again, we go into Kendrick Bourne had eight catches for 81 yards last week against Seattle with Nick Mullins at the quarterback position. Because this is Seattle, we 100% fully expect both of these wide receivers to have good value. John Brown is somebody who not only comes in at RB3 for us, but he has a big ceiling. So if you're looking for somebody in your lineup to be able to eject a home run threat into your arm, into your lineup this particular week, because you are so devastated by bye, which a lot of people are going to be in that situation, this is the week you go ahead, fire up John Brown at the wide receiver three spot. I feel pretty confident that he might be able to give you a big ceiling game in this one. So John Brown is somebody to be like, we're staying away from Cole Beasley still. Because like I said before, if John Brown's healthy, there just aren't enough targets to go around with the way Allen has been playing as of late to expect all three of these receivers to be able to eat. So Cole Beasley, again, winds up being the odd man out for us. I think you can find somebody with a much higher floor than a Cole Beasley with a similar ceiling as well. So we would stay away from that. What we're going to do now is we're going to go to a quick break. We're going to come back on the other side. We still have a lot more games to get into on the early window preview matchups here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network, WWSRN. We'll be back right after this. You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And welcome back, MD Nation. You are listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. And as always, I'm your host, Dan Mater, on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network, WWSRN, presented to you also by Belly Up Sports. Make sure you're checking out the Worldwide Sports Radio Network app on Android or WWSRN if you are on iOS. That's the best way to listen live, watch live, whatever you got to do, because there's a lot of great time content not just this show but a lot of other shows out there as well and you're always gonna get the best in sports when you're listening to the worldwide sports radio network so we've been talking about the early window of games we talked about the thursday night game we talked about some of the covid news out there with the colts the bears uh the texans kansas city chiefs that came through while this show was going on and we're also talking about some more early window matchups in the one o'clock hour for you guys. We dive right into the Chicago Bears and the Tennessee Titans. The Titans looking to bounce back. AJ Brown looking to bounce back. 
Now, he saved your day with a touchdown last week, I know, but this is somebody who's entered territory that you are hoping for, you are expecting for him to be a low-end wide receiver one each week of the season. And the great thing about the Titans is that they already have their bye week. So you're able to ride these guys right now to get you through some of these spot starts that you find yourself in. That also includes Corey Davis. Now, A.J. Brown, we have at wide receiver 16 this week. Corey Davis, we have at wide receiver 21. You can play both of them as wide receiver twos. Now, I don't obviously, I don't love the matchup because it's the Chicago Bears. And this defense is legit. They've been playing very, very well. But the Titans have to lean on guys like Brown and Corey Davis. Now, we're still waiting to see if Humphreys is going to clear the concussion protocol this week. That's something we'll keep you updated on if you're following us on Twitter at BellyUpMDFFShow. And, of course, if he doesn't play, then that's extra targets for Corey Davis, extra targets for A.J. Brown. I think they're going to have to lean on their perimeter wide receivers because Chicago is very good against the run. They're also very good against tight ends. And I talked about this with Janu Smith, which will bring up that interesting point now. Janu Smith does come in at tight end 12 for us. I'm not ready to bail on him yet. He's been very frustrating the past couple of weeks. Other than the game against Cincinnati last week, which there was really no excuse for, the two weeks prior to that, there was an injury, and it was the Pittsburgh Steelers. So you kind of understand, and from that standpoint, I kind of look at it like, all right, you had one bad week in a matchup where you should have done well. You're somebody who has tremendous talent. You're on an offense that typically likes to utilize a tight end. The The concerns are that Janu Smith hasn't been running as many routes. He's been asked really to predominantly block pretty much this entire last month. That is because Taylor LeJuan's been out, that offensive line's been banged up, and they need somebody to help out the running game. They need somebody to help out Derrick Henry because that's still the focus of the offense at the end of the day. That is concerning if that continues to be the case because now he'll become somebody that you have to score a touchdown because you're not seeing the five to seven targets that you were early on in the season. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. I talked about this on the recap sh- on the recap shows earlier on in the week. If Janu Smith is not able to at least get back to his opportunity share this week, especially if Adam Humphreys does not play, while it's not a great matchup against Chicago, then he is somebody that you're going to have to go ahead and just move on from. He's going to be somebody that we welcome to Flushtown, unfortunately. We don't want to see it happen because he's a hell of a talent. And right now, having talent at the tight end position is very important. But if he can't do it against Chicago, that's a month long of him being somebody you you couldn't play or killed your lineup. 
he's going to have to fall back into the streaming territory based on the matchup that he's again he's on and have to prove that he can get back to his opportunity share. So this is the last week we have Janu Smith as a tight end 12. If he doesn't wind up doing it this week, then he's somebody who's going to fall back and be a matchup-dependent streamer. So we're going to be having all eyes on Janu Smith quite potentially. Derrick Henry, RB2 in the week. I know it's against Chicago. I know it's tough. It hasn't mattered. He's looked good against Pittsburgh. He's run against tough defenses all year. This shouldn't be any different. And I'll reiterate this one more time. We've talked about this the past couple of weeks. The great thing about Derrick Henry is that no matter what the game script is, even if the Tennessee Titans are down multiple scores heading into the second half, they will not abandon the run. Derrick Henry will get his 20 carries. Almost no matter what. Almost no matter what. So, Derrick Henry, good to go. Fire him up. We love him a lot this week. Obviously, RB2. Don't worry about the matchup against Chicago if it was something you were even worried about in the first place. Ryan Tannehill comes in at QB14. He's always going to be hovering around that QB12 range no matter what the matchup is because this is somebody who has good weapons, first and foremost, fits really well in the Tennessee offense, and frankly has made himself an above-average quarterback in the NFL, a top-12 quarterback, and I'm not talking from a fantasy football standpoint, a top-12 quarterback in the NFL from just a playing talent standpoint, period. He's made him, He's turned himself into that. That is what he is. That will continue. He still has great touchdown scores with or without you know, playing against a great matchup in Chicago. So we're good there. We expect him to do well. If you have Ryan Tannehill, you're not going to bench him to bring in a streamer who maybe has more upside this week. For instance, we have Drew Locke ranked at 12 with Ryan Tannehill ranked at 14. I'm not dropping Ryan Tannehill to pick up a Drew Locke. That's just not going to happen. So don't make crazy changes based on expected rankings heading into this week. It's pretty much my overall advice there. We go into Chicago, and David Montgomery comes in RB17. Continue to play him as an RB2. Maybe you want to look away. Maybe you want to watch a different game. Every time Chicago has the ball, I kind of will just, I want to watch something else myself because watching them on offense is is horrible, is petrifying, is, is just demeaning, I think, the football. <laughs> but David Montgomery, one way or another, is going to get you the targets. He's going to get you the volume. He's going to get you the opportunities you need to have a high floor. And if he ever scores one of these weeks... He's somebody who starts to knock on the door at RB12 territory with the volume that he's been getting in the passing game especially. So continue to fire him up. It's a good matchup against Tennessee, so maybe there's a little bit more upside than we normally have for David Montgomery heading into this game. The other big thing, of course, is Allen Robinson. Allen Robinson coming in here, he is going to be wide receiver 11 for us. So he's going to be a low-end wide receiver 1 in those 12-team leagues. We expect him to get high volume. He got, he finally got back to it. It was, you know, with Nick Foles early on, it was a little rough. Uh, not, not early on. Early on, he was getting double-digit targets. A couple weeks after that, it all of a sudden seemed like the targets kind of knocked off. Nick Foles was playing even worse. The Chicago offense in general was playing even worse. But again, great matchup here. Tennessee's defense is not very good. Allen Robinson got back to his double-digit targets a week ago. We expect that to continue heading into this week. He'll be fine. He'll be good. He'll he is going to be a low end wide receiver one in this game with a high volume and a high floor. Jimmy Graham comes in at tight end eleven for us on the week. Tight end eleven. 
He's the most targeted tight end in football right now. I mean, he is. As crazy as that sounds. And it's offering him opportunities. He hasn't always been able to execute. He hasn't always been able to take advantage. But it's offering him opportunities to give you a high floor. And he's getting targeted in the red zone, which is probably the most important part of that right now anyway. So he is somebody that we like quite a bit in this game. And you can play him as a top ten as a top end streamer. Plain and simple. It's rough, but you can. Now, let's move on to our next game. Let's talk about Baltimore. Let's talk about the Colts. Now, Baltimore has a real interesting situation when it comes to the COVID issues right now. They had pretty much half their starting defense labeled as a high-risk contact uh, players. Now, our expectation is that as long as these players test negative because it was early enough on in the week, they will be able to get them all back for Sunday. But... They're not going to be having practice actually on the field all week long. The team will, but not these defensive players, which is a lot of their key guys like Judon and and so on and so forth. They might play on Sunday, but they're doing all virtual work. So it's going to make things a little bit interesting when it comes to this game. Now, on the offensive side of the ball, which is what we care about from a fantasy football standpoint, Lamar Jackson, for the first time all year, comes outside of our top 10 quarterbacks. The passing game hasn't been good. Now, Lamar hasn't been accurate. But this isn't all on Lamar. The play calling's been horrendous out of Greg Roman. Where's the motion? Where's the mismatches? Where are all of the where are all the creative plays off of the read option that you were running last year? Where's all the easy looks for Lamar Jackson off of bootleg? Where's all the easy play actions? Why are every single one of your passing calls? out of three tight end formations with really only two eligible wide receivers to throw the ball to. It's is Marquise Brown deep or it's Mark Andrews underneath. And if they're in the red zone, it's Marquise Brown on a fade or a slant and Mark Andrews trying to get open in the back of the end zone. That's their entire passing attack. So while Lamar Jackson has not been good, while he has not been accurate, he has been done no favors by Greg Roman in the offensive play calling right now. None whatsoever. The rushing attack looked good against Pittsburgh, which is big. Now, I talked about this in in, uh, the recap shows on, I believe it was Monday. A lot of people trying to come out and say, hey, you know what? The rushing attack looks better without Mark Ingram involved. False. The rushing attack looked better because they had two running backs in the rotation rather than trying to get three worked in. This is a big theme of mine, where especially when you're talking about certain teams like the Colts, like the Rams, and like the Baltimore Ravens. When you're trying to get three running backs involved, nobody gets a chance to get into rhythm. No one. Especially when you're the Baltimore Ravens, where your rushing attack, no matter who the three running backs are, is greatly based off of power rushing ability. That is your identity, your power rush game. Well, a power rush game gets better as the game goes on, if you can get your guys in rhythm. Mark Ingram, Gus Edwards, J.K. Dobbins, you can't get these guys in rhythm when they're getting 10, 8, and 5 carries a game. It doesn't happen that way. You take one of them out, and all of a sudden they're both getting 15 carries a game. They get into rhythm. You start to build momentum. All of a sudden... This rushing attack, which we've been waiting for all year long because there's no reason why it should be stifled the way that it is, 
suddenly starts to look good. Suddenly starts to break off chunk plays. Starts to gash the other defense. This was the Pittsburgh Steelers. Nobody besides Derrick Henry has even had a decent game against the Pittsburgh Steelers, let alone a good game. They had a good game out of two running backs. As long as Mark Ingram does not play this week, and that's not what we're, we're, we're not expecting him to. He didn't practice, we're, and there, it said he's dealing with more of a high ankle sprain. We think he's going to miss this week, maybe be a possibility for them in week 10. Well, then Dobbins and Gus Edwards will get the bulk of the work, and therefore they will be able to get in a rhythm. And even though the Colts on paper are a tough team to run against, especially when Darius Leonard is healthy, I am not worried about what they can give you as long as they're both getting about 15 touches in this game. I expect Dobbins to be a little bit more involved in the passing game this week. He only had two targets, I believe, last week. I think five or six targets are probably in his future. I think they're going to be looking to do a little bit more check down passing, a little bit more rhythm passing. After Marquise Brown came out with the tweet of he's frustrated with his role, Lamar Jackson is frustrated with the passing game in general, I think they're going to do some things to try to get them going again. So Dobbins comes in as our RB20 on the week. Gus Edwards are RB35. The thing about the Colts is, is that they get a lot of penetration up the middle. And the Ravens are banged up on the offensive line right now. So getting a push is going to be difficult for the Ravens in this game. So I think the Gus Edwards power game, bully ball, is not necessarily going to be as efficient this week as the J.K. Dobbins quickness off the edge style of running will be. I think Dobbins is going to have more success. So I have Dobbins at 20, Gus Edwards at 35. That also goes into, I think, Dobbins is going to be a little bit more involved in the passing game. I mean, of the two, he's the pass-catching back, but I think there'll actually be pass-catching work available for the running back position this week. So Dobbins is a low-end RB2 as long as Mark Ingram does not play, and that's not our expectation as of this point. Marquise Brown comes in at wide receiver 19. Maybe the squeaky wheel will get the grease. This passing attack has to do something at some point. He's still the only wide receiver who gets most of the targets. He still has the big play capability. This Colts secondary is a secondary you can throw on, especially on the perimeter and especially on deep. They're a farce as far as their ranking goes against wide receivers. They haven't played anybody good this year. They have not played a top 10 offense this year, period. They haven't. So I think it's a little bit of a farce of how good their defense is ranked right now, especially when it comes to the secondary. Mark Andrews comes in as a mid-level tight end. Now, again, you're not going to drop Mark Andrews. He can still be the number one pass catcher for this offense at any given moment, and he is the red zone threat. So you're not dropping Mark Andrews. You're not moving on from Mark Andrews. But this is a tough matchup because Darius Leonard and this Colts defense do an excellent job of taking away the tight end, kind of like the Pittsburgh Steelers do. And just given the inconsistencies of this pass offense in general this season... A low floor is going to have to be in your expectations, possibly, for the Baltimore Ravens. It's going to have to be there, unfortunately. Hopefully that does not happen, but it's going to have to be in that range as a possibility. So just keep that in mind. You're still playing Mark Andrews, though, if you have him. And I'm not giving him up for anything. Move on to the Colts side of the ball. We don't care about Phillip Rivers. We don't care about any of the pass catchers. We only care about the running back situation. I don't have Jordan Wilkins inside the top 36. It will depend, I guess, on how banged up Jonathan Taylor actually is, but he was able to come back and practice. So we expect him to be activated. And I throw up last week to a who knows, who knows game. 
It's it was so it was so weird. I mean, we didn't even find out about the Jonathan Taylor injury until after the fact. Frank Reich, I don't believe him when he said it, but he tried to make this case that he didn't know about the Taylor injury until after the fact. I don't believe that to be the case, but that's what he says. It's a backfield that unfortunately Due to where you drafted Taylor, due to the other options that are possibly available to you, he comes in at low in RB2 for us. Don't feel good about it. It's very high risk at this moment with the way they've been playing. But he comes in as an RB2 for us. Naeem Hines, RB26. We expect them to have to throw the football in this game. Baltimore is a very difficult team to run on. Very, very difficult. We expect them to have to throw to move the ball, and because we don't like any of their wide receivers, and because their tight ends are on a three-man rotation themselves, so they don't have any fantasy value there, Naeem Hines is likely to have a pretty significant role in this game. They're gonna, I think they're gonna, I think Rivers is really going to lean on being able to check down the ball, to Naeem Hines. I think five to seven targets are very much within the realm of possibility, which is why he comes in at RB twenty-six for us. Somebody you can play in your flex or hope for a decent floor game if you have to play him in an RB2 if you're in a you know a tire streets uh, situation there at running back, which a lot of people might be. Jordan Wilkins, I'm not touching Jordan Wilkins. First of all, he doesn't get involved in the pass game. That's Naeem Hines' role. He's not as physical as a Jonathan Taylor or as talented as a Jonathan Taylor. So against this Baltimore Ravens defense in particular, I don't see him having a lot of success. Yes, he had a nice game last week. I get it, but... We've also seen Jordan Wilkins, for the most part in his career, be inefficient. And I would not be surprised if he went back to getting eight carries in this game, Taylor gets 15, and then you're kind of stuck in that situation. So, Taylor, I think you're not going to love to play him. I think you have to play him as an RB, a low-end RB2, but you have to have an expectation that he might have a low floor in this matchup. I'm not touching Jordan Wilkins with a 10-foot pole. And frankly... As soon as you get the opportunity to sell high on Jonathan Taylor before your most likely Week 12 deadlines, which is what most fantasy leagues are, pull the trigger. Pull the trigger. Because I don't. this is going to be a three-man rotation throughout the rest of the year. That was made obvious when they came out of the bye and still consistently worked in Wilkins and Naeem Hines all throughout the game, even before whenever Taylor picked up his ankle injury because it started from the first quarter. Let's move into Carolina and Kansas City. This game could be a shootout. We get Christian McCaffrey back, so that's the great news. He comes in at RB6 in his first week back. It's a good match against Kansas City. I think he's going to be leaned on a lot in the passing game, especially because the perimeter is hard to attack Kansas City on. They're pretty good on the perimeter. So guys like Robbie Anderson, guys like DJ Moore, it's going to be a little difficult for them to get going, I believe. Now, we still have them as starts in your lineup. Robbie Anderson comes in at wide receiver 17 for us, so he maintains his wide receiver 2 value on a week-to-week basis. DJ Moore comes in at wide receiver 30. After disappointing against Atlanta and now going into a tougher matchup against Kansas City, I think you just have to have the expectation that there's a low floor possible when it comes to DJ Moore. Now, Kansas City, with their offense against this Carolina defense, you very well may see a high volume in the passing game out of the Carolina Panthers. So that could boost the floor of a lot of these guys, and it is possible for them to break one. It's not like Kansas City's defense is impossible to throw the football on. I don't want to make that uh, that picture for you guys. But they have been pretty good in the perimeter. Teddy Bridgewater is coming off of a decent hit on him, but he seems like he's going to be good to go. He's been practicing already. 
He comes in at QB 17 for us. If you want to make the case that you think there's going to be a lot of volume that he's going to throw the ball over 40 times in this game because they're going to have to come back from behind, I could see the case being made for Teddy Bridgewater having a decent floor in this one if you're looking for a streaming quarterback. But I don't really like this matchup against this Kansas City defense with the way Carolina likes to play unless, unless you believe that with Christian McCaffrey back and what he would be able to provide them in the passing game, that McCaffrey will boost Teddy Bridgewater because he'll just be able to continually check it down. And I do think that's going to be a big option this week for them. So he comes in at QB 17 for us. Somebody I kind of have an eye on depending on what's available on my waiver wire and depending on what I have available to me to stream at the quarterback position if that's something that I'm looking to do. But you're firing up pretty much everybody else for sure. I'll have DJ Moore as a flex play. I'll have Robbie Anderson as a wide receiver too. Chris McCaffrey turns RB1 this week. Now, I will talk quickly about the McCaffrey, Mike Davis, because that seems to be a question on a lot of people's minds, even though I talked about this a little bit last week when we were bringing up Mike Davis's last start. Mike Davis is not going to be involved 40% of the time. Mike Davis is not going to be involved even 30% of the time. At best, this is an 80-20 split. Mike Davis is a handcuff. He's not a flex play. There's not going to be a committee. And the fact that they waited this long on Christian McCaffrey means that they waited till he was fully healthy. And he's looked fully healthy in practice, for, according to all reports. They are not going to bring him back and then all of a sudden be like, well, we have to work Mike Davis in because he played so well. No, it's not going to be a thing. Like I said, at worst for McCaffrey, is an 80-20 split. He is the best or one of the best running backs in the NFL, one of the best playmakers in the NFL. He is the offense for the Carolina Panthers. Even with the great success of Bridgewater and Robbie Anderson and all these guys and Mike, what Mike Davis was able to do, Christian McCaffrey is going to make the engine go, especially against a team like Kansas City. Mike Davis is not going to be a thing other than being a handcuff to Christian McCaffrey in case he gets hurt again. So everyone just relax on this idea that Mike Davis might have flex value with McCaffrey back in the lineup. It's not going to be the case. He's the guy. He's got the big contract. He's fully healthy, ready to go. So enough of that crap. Let's go to Kansas City. Mahomes, QB5, obviously, could easily be QB1 at any given point. I do think they're going to have a lot of success throwing the football against Carolina in this game. Tyreek Hill, wide receiver 10. Travis Kelsey's our tight end 1. Sammy Watkins, we actually expect him to be back this week. He practiced in limited capacity yesterday. We expect him to practice again today. It sounds like he's going to be back. We have him ranked at wide receiver 27. So he's if he's somebody who's out there in your waiver wires because he's been hurt and a lot of people didn't keep him through you know, the IR process, he's somebody you could pick up. We think you can play him as a high-end wide receiver three this week. He was looking pretty... Now, where he's going to be at in his injury coming back will remain to be seen, but he's had a lot of time off. So we lean towards the idea of him actually being probably pretty close to being 100% healthy. He was getting targeted a lot before he went out with his injury. Now, a lot of it was short and underneath stuff, but he was also getting red zone targets. So Sammy Watkins is a high-end wide receiver three. If he's out there and you're looking for options to flex play, he could be a nice little pickup for you this week. What do we do about the running back situation? I ranked both Le'Veon Bell and Clyde Edwards-Alaire inside the top 36. Clyde, uh, Clyde Rizalera is running back 16, meaning we have him ranked in the mid-level RB2 area. Le'Veon Bell is RB25, meaning we have him on the high-end RB3 flex territory. I don't feel good about it. I don't. But it is the Carolina Panthers, and the most effective way to, to move the ball in the Carolina... I mean, you could do it through the air, too. 
even though they've been kind of decent in that area. But I guess Kansas City, you're kind of dealing with a different animal, let's be real. But the, the most effective way teams have been able to move the ball against Carolina has been through the running game. Now, I don't know if the Chiefs are just going to ignore the running game again altogether like they did last week against the New York Jets, even when they were up by a million. I don't know if that's going to be the case. I, would, I thought that was very odd that they did that then. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. It's Carolina. So when they do go to the running game, there should be opportunities. They're only going to see six-man fronts because it's the Kansas City Chiefs going against Carolina Panthers defense. So there should be opportunities for whoever's getting the carries at the time. This does seem like a 50-50 split, though. And this is what I talked about when they signed Le'Veon Bell. I've gone back. I've watched those games. I've tried to watch what their opportunities are, what their roles are. As far as I can tell, their role is to be 50-50. Le'Veon Bell, it's not even a series-by-series basis, which is what I thought it might be just to get guys in the rhythm during that series. It seems to be, it it will be one or the other starting off an alternating series, but they both come in on the same series. If it starts off Le'Veon Bell, he'll go for a few snaps, and then they'll bring in Clyde Edwards-Hilaire at some point, and he'll go for a few snaps. And then if it's Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, he'll start it off the series, and then Le'Veon Bell coming for a few snaps. They're literally playing at a 50-50 rate. Their touches are at a 50-50 rate, basically. This might have just became a two-man committee. And that's what I talked about, the possibility of that happening. And if that happened, that they would both be low-end RB2s to high-end RB3s. Because there's also going to be games, like they did against the New York Jets last week, where they just ignore the running game altogether because it's Kansas City and they have Patrick Mahomes and they have a million weapons to throw the ball to. It's an eerie feeling if you draft a Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Eerie feeling. Because I don't know if you can count on him being an RB2 for you every week. I'm not playing either one this week. This is Because it's a good matchup, it's also a good chance for you to get some data on if they actually go to the running game, who are they working in, and get a little bit more of an idea on who's doing what. What is each other's role? I mean, everyone keeps talking about Le'Veon Bell and the goal line situation. We haven't seen that come to fruition yet. But we haven't seen it for either one. So that's kind of the that's kind of the issue. We just we're lacking data on this situation right now. Because of the Chiefs, because it's the talent that these two have, they still have to be considered guys plugging into your lineups, and especially against Carolina. But you're going to have to have the expectation for a low floor no matter who you're going with. I'm still leaning towards CEH over Le'Veon Bell. But these are guys who are more developing into RB3 flex plays rather than either one of them necessarily being RB2s. Especially this week, I think there's somebody that you can play. There is potential there because of the matchup. 
I think you have to play Alaire because of where you drafted him at and what, what piece he's been to your lineups. I don't know if you're going to have a better option. If you can avoid playing Le'Veon Bell, I would. Because frankly, if you could avoid playing CEH, I would. It's going to have to take a concerted effort on Andy Reid's part to actually involve the running game. They just have so many weapons in Kansas City. So we have Alaire at 16. You can put him in your lineup. We have Le'Veon Bell at 25. You can put him in your lineup if you have to. But have an expectation that they could possibly both have low floors. That's all. Let's move on to Detroit and Minnesota. So we talked about Detroit. We talked about Matthew Stafford. We talked about the, the, the fact that he is dealing with the high-risk protocol right now for the NFL. Because they called it early enough, as long as he continues to test negative, and as far as I understand, he tested negative today, he will have a chance to come in and suit up on Sunday. Now, he's not going to have the chance to actually practice on the field at all the entire week. Matthew Stafford's not somebody we really worry about that too much. It is a little bit annoying because this week against Minnesota, even without Kenny Galladay, who we don't expect to play, he's listed week to week with a hip injury. We expect him to be out. We had Matthew Stafford at QB10 because it's Minnesota. It's in Minnesota, so we don't have to worry about whether it's in the dome. It's going to be a little bit frustrating with him not practicing, though, because if you're looking to stream him this week, it's going to leave a little bit of an eerie feeling in your stomach exactly what he's going to be able to do. With good reason. So if you have another streamer available to you that you just feel a little bit more confident in because they're actually being able to practice on the field, then I understand. But I'm going to stick with him as my QB10 because we expect him to play. I expect him to have to throw the ball in the second half. I think Minnesota has a good chance with Dalvin Cook to be able to control this game and maybe not do exactly what he did to Green Bay, but do something similar. The, the Lions have seemingly let Stafford throw the ball a little bit more and be a little bit more aggressive the past two weeks in a row now. We might be seeing a little bit of a shift in the philosophical offense that they are running out there. Which also leads to what's Marvin Jones's value. Now, we have Marvin Jones at 25. I'm not confident in Marvin Jones at 25. It is Minnesota. He's coming off a two-touchdown performance, but he still only had three catches for roughly 35 yards or so. We've seen Marvin Jones early on in this year with no Kenny Galladay not really be able to take advantage. The targets were there, and that's why he comes in at wide receiver 25 for us. The targets have always been there. He got seven targets last week, and when Kenny Galladay was out, he was averaging eight to double-digit targets. I have to believe Marvin Jones, who on film, when I'm looking at, is he exactly the same player he has been? I don't know if he's exactly the same player, but he doesn't look like he's lost that much of a step. He still looks decent to me from an athletic standpoint. He's just not getting the ball like he's used to. It's Minnesota. If he's going to get 8 to 10 targets, which we fully expect in this game, we know he has the potential to score touchdowns. So that already kind of gives him a little bit of a value there. 8 to 10 targets in Minnesota, I have to believe in the process when it comes to Marvin Jones in this week's matchup that that will prevail over what we've seen. But you have to keep in mind, again... When you're building your roster construction for this week, keep in mind that he has a low floor because we've seen it before, him not be able to execute and take advantage of those opportunities, even in plus matchups. But he is somebody who comes in as a high-end wide receiver three for me this week, especially since he has such a potential to score a touchdown. Same thing goes with TJ Hawkinson. TJ Hawkinson has been playing really well lately. This is a great matchup. He's tight end five for us this week. T.J. Hawkinson might be a tight end five or at least in that range for the rest of the season with the way he's been playing and being involved in the offense. 
So Hawkinson's somebody you have to, you fire up, and you might have a top six, top seven tight end the rest of the way on your hands. Especially since Detroit's done with their bye week, too. Also gives you some solidity there at the tight end position where you no longer have to, have to stream. Minnesota side of things. I have Cousins ranked at 18. I'm keeping him outside of the top end streaming territory because we saw what happened against Green Bay. If Minnesota actually gets to do what they really want to do, that's going to be the lean on Dalvin Cook and kind of ignore the passing game altogether. Now, will it be to that effectiveness this week? Probably not. It's going to be hard to duplicate those numbers from, from a week ago. But against Detroit, there is it is a good matchup in the air. They've been better against the running game lately. So maybe there is some idea they could contain it enough where Kirk Cousins has to throw the ball. But I'm not going to go into that because I don't... Kirk Cousins throwing the ball 25 times doesn't really interest me. I don't care who they're playing against. And that's a real possibility that you're looking at here. But it's Detroit. And 25 times, especially off of an effective play action, is enough for me to look at Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson as high-end plays this week. Adam Thielen comes in at wide receiver 5. I know he's been a bit hit or miss and inconsistent this week based on the offensive play. Justin Jefferson comes in at wide receiver 12. I know he's been either boom or bust for the most part to this point. It's Detroit. There's nobody in that secondary that scares you. Again, I think they're going to have to throw the ball more than 18 times, which is what they did a week ago. Now, I know 25 times doesn't sound like a lot, but seven more attempts to two wide receivers who are the only targets on the field. I think there's a good chance both of them can have big plays in this one. Both of them around... Hovering around, Adam Thielen, top five wide receiver for us. So he is a wide receiver one. Justin Jefferson, wide receiver 12. Low-end wide receiver one, high-end wide receiver two. I think these are guys you just have to continue to play and trust the process, especially in a matchup like this against Detroit. Let's take a quick break. Come back on the other side. We have a couple more games to get to and a mailbag segment for you guys at the end of the show. So stay tuned right after this. It's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And welcome back to the show, MD Nation. You are listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network on your Android app or if you have iOS, WWSRN, also presented to you by Belly Up Sports. I'm your host, Dan Mater. We've been going over the early window of games for Week 9, talking about some of the COVID news, talking about injury updates, talking about our fantasy football expectations. We have a couple more games to get through for you guys for the early window and then of course a mailbag statement so we have to move a little bit more quickly because we're running out of time luckily for this game there's really not a lot to talk about from a fantasy standpoint because we're talking about the Giants and the Washington football club uh I hope they change I hope they get a name next year hopefully uh we did get some news while this show was going on that Devontae Freeman was able to return to practice on a limited capacity today we'll see if he's able to go right now we do not have him ranked so that's something we'll probably update throughout the week if it looks like he is going to come back let's say for a second Freeman does not play which is what we were expecting so far to this point Wayne Gallman would be RB30 for us on the week so he would be an RB3 that you can look at, especially for your flex territory purposes. This is a Washington team that's you know, statistically been very good, but not a defense that I feel like you can't move the ball on. We just saw Gallman be able to score a touchdown on Tampa Bay, and of all defenses, I didn't expect him to do anything on. That would have been one of them. So Gallman is somebody who can be an RB3 if Freeman doesn't play. He's been the lead guy there. They're trying to mix in Deion Lewis, and they mixed in Alfred Morris. He's not going to get you know 20 carries for you, but... He's somebody who can get somewhere between 12 to 15. He gets a little bit involved in the passing game. 
He's enough, especially this week, to possibly be an RB3 for you, possibly a flex for you this week. So just something to keep in mind. Keep an eye on it. Follow us on social media at BillyUpMDFF Show. You can tell by my tone, I wouldn't be excited to play Wayne Gallman if I had to, though. So hopefully you have better options available to you. Evan Ingram comes in at tight end 17. The volume's been there from the standpoint of he's seeing the targets. It just... It's never been effective. It's just not getting executed. Jason Garrett is just a terrible offensive coordinator. I don't know what's going to happen to the Giants front office staff, frankly, because if Gellman gets fired, which I think is becoming more and more likely every day, I do wonder if they bring in a new GM that they just fire this entire coaching staff after one year. If not, Jason Garrett's got to go. I mean, I know that they lost Saquon Barkley, but this team has talent on it for it to be pathetic is ridiculous. And I know Daniel Jones isn't playing well, but again... He's not doing him any favors. He's not getting him in rhythm. He's not making easy looks, and they have the talent to do so. Darius Slayton comes in at wide receiver 29 for us. Sterling Shepard is a wide receiver 3 for us as well, although Sterling Shepard might be seeing Fuller, which is kind of a tough matchup so far this year, and he's also dealing with a bit of an injury himself. Now, we expect him to play, but he's going to be a little bit banged up. This is actually going to be a tougher matchup than what you would expect it to be for Shepard. I think Slayton is the wide receiver who actually has the bigger day. Remember, their target share last week was 10-9. and That was with Golden Tate on the field. Golden Tate is expected to play. I know he was off yesterday from practice. He is back again today. They expect him to go. But even with him on the field and Evan Ingram on the field, Shepard had 10 targets to Darius Slayton's 9. I think Darius Slayton has a chance for a big play. He is a home run threat, at least in this game. I know it hasn't been pretty. He hasn't had a lot of great games as of late. I don't know if he has particularly a high floor. But against Washington, I think he's actually going to see the mismatch that is on the other side of the secondary, on the opposite side of Fuller. And given his big play capabilities, given that this is probably going to be an ugly back-and-forth type of game, I think the Giants are going to have to force the issue down the field a little bit, at least in the second half. I think that's where Slayton can make some up some ground, making him a wide receiver three. But again, somebody's going to have a low floor. So let's move into Washington. Running back situation. Tonio Gibson, fire him up, RB2, RB15 on the week. This is another situation where it didn't work out with the Colts and Jonathan Taylor. But outside of the Colts and Jonathan Taylor, for the most part, the teams that have come out of bye who have young rookie running backs that they're excited about, they've gotten them featured coming out of that bye week. I think there's a chance, especially against the Giants, who don't pose a big threat for them to fall down by a ton of points at any point in this game, there's a chance that they will lean on Antonio Gibson and get him going coming out of the bye week. I think there's an opportunity for that to happen. So, Antonio Gibson... RB15, fire him up as an RB2. He definitely has at least a high floor, if not a pretty good ceiling, going up against the Giants here in this one. McKissick, just to give you an FYI, does come in at RB38. I don't want to play him, but we have to acknowledge that he's been involved in the passing game enough to the point where he's at least a borderline low-end flex play, depending on what your options are available to you. Terry McLaurin is our wide receiver four. I don't care that he's getting matched up on James Bradbury. People have been making too much out of Bradbury shadowing number one wide receivers. Mike Evans still had a good game last week, and that was Tampa Bay really not doing much offensively either. Terry McLaurin's been getting targeted at a crazy rate. He's Terry McLaurin. He can bust one in any given moment. James Bad Bradbury is no matchup for Terry McLaurin. I don't care if he shadows him all over the field. Fine. McLaurin has one of the highest floors out of any wide receiver. A big ceiling. He's wide receiver four for us on the week. You're not playing Logan Thomas. Stop trying to make Logan Thomas a thing, everybody. I don't know why everyone's like, oh, Logan Thomas is a sneaky sleeper. No, he's not. Plain and simple. No, he's not. 
Let's move into Jacksonville and Houston, our last game for the early window of games that we want to talk about. Let's start on the Jacksonville side of the ball because you have Jake Luton coming in as starting quarterback. You don't know what to expect. We have DJ Chark ranked at wide receiver 36. It's the only wide receiver that I think you can play with any remote confidence. Because he's a rookie quarterback who's a sixth round at that, I do think his number one read will be DJ Chark. I do think he'll lock on to his number one read. Because it's Houston, it's really the only reason why I have any confidence whatsoever that you can play DJ Chark. If this was any other defense, any other competent defense, I would just be staying away from everybody not named James Robinson heading into this game. Because I'm, I got to see what happens to Jake Luton. We just watched Ben DiNucci make everybody irrelevant on the Dallas Cowboys Jake Luton kind of falls in the same category as a Ben DiNucci, let's be real, as a six-round rookie quarterback. So it's something that I'm not going to feel great about, but because it's Houston, because I feel like Luton will lock on to his number one target in most plays, and DJ Chark has good ability, I'm okay playing Chark as a low-end wide receiver three as a flex play if you need to fire him up. But he does have a low floor, so make sure you take that into consideration when trying to put together your lineups in a roster construction situation. James Robinson's our RB3. I know Houston might key on the run, especially with the rookie quarterback situation. Houston's so bad against the run, they could put 10 guys in the box, and I don't think I'd care, especially the way James Robinson has been playing. So James Robinson, our, our third running back overall on the week, I do feel very confident about him having a good game. They're going to lean on him a little bit more with the rookie quarterback coming in. Robinson, fire him up. He is an RB1 for us this week. That wraps up the early window of games for week nine. Let's go ahead and get into the mailbag segment. And remember, if you want to get in on the mailbag segment, all you have to do is ask us a question on social media at BellyUpMDFFShow on Twitter, on Facebook, wherever. We will always answer your questions no matter when and where they are, but we will also select our few favorite ones to get on the mailbag segment and talk about them on this show. So that's all you have to do to get onto the mailbag segment whenever you guys are looking out. Okay, now it's time for the mailbag segment for you guys. I have three questions that we're going to get through today. First up, Ignis, which one will lead the backfield, Howard, Brita, or DeAndre Washington? So this is a game that we're going to talk about in tomorrow's show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network, same time, 12 o'clock to 1.30. We'll be previewing the late window of games and talking about the Thursday night football recap, and the Dolphins and Cardinals will be in the late window of games. So we're going to talk about this game tomorrow, but... To answer your question, Matt Breida is probably not going to play. He has a hamstring issue. DeAndre Washington just got traded to the team. So if I had to guess who was going to get the bulk of the carries, crazy as it seems, it would probably be Jordan Howard, even though he's been a healthy and active to this point because, well, there's nobody else left standing. And while DeAndre Washington could have a role right away as, as, a, as a guy who's going to get worked in in the passing down situations just because Jordan Howard's a zero there, and I think the Dolphins are going to have to throw the ball to move the ball against Arizona because I don't think they're going to lean on the running game in any capacity because Howard hasn't been good. That's why he's been a healthy scratch. I would have to say I would guess Howard has a chance at the very least to score a touchdown because when he when they do get in close, when he was healthy and active, they would still give him and felt comfortable giving him the goal line carry. So there's a chance he winds up with a touchdown. But honestly, I am not looking to play a Dolphins running back heading into this game at all whatsoever. So if you can avoid the situation, Ignis, that would be my main advice to you. But if I had to guess as far as carries go, at this point, it would have to be Jordan Howard. Next up, Starks asks, J.K. Dobbins or Cam Akers, rest of season. That's very interesting. I would have to lean towards J.K. Dobbins because Cam Akers didn't get involved until Daryl Henderson went down with a thigh issue, which is not expected to keep him out once they come out of the bye week. So 
Daryl Henderson, as long as he's in there, they want they want to keep playing Malcolm Brown for whatever reason. Cam Akers looking like the odd man out there. J.K. When marking comes back, this whole thing gets really interesting again with with the Baltimore Ravens backfield. But what I will say is that if J.K. Dobbins has another good game against a tough run defense in the Indianapolis Colts, like he did against Pittsburgh. And they, especially if they win this game, I think the Ravens are going to have to start to recognize that they need to lean on Dobbins and either go to Ingram or Edwards as the power back. But Dobbins is going to have to start being the lead guy because that offense it has to look the way, look for ways to take another step forward and it has to add another element to their game because they are getting very stagnant on the offense side of the ball. And J.K. Dobbins can inject some life into there. So I would lean towards J.K. Dobbins rest of the season. Last question, Rick asks, in a PPR league, Damian Harris, Jerick McKinnon, or Zach Moss? Ugh, that's a loaded question. Look, if I'm staying true to my rankings, it would be Jerick McKinnon for me. Again, the Patriots game is something that we're going to talk about tomorrow. I do have McKinnon ranked ahead of Zach Moss. I have him ranked ahead of Damian Harris, too. Being that this is PPR, like they talked about, Nick Mullins, Jerick McKinnon, that was the thing in the fourth quarter against Seattle. That was when Jerick McKinnon started playing all the snaps when Nick Mullins came in. They need pass catchers in this game. I believe McKinnon will be involved. I believe he will get five to seven targets, at least in this game, and possibly split the carry work with Michael Hasty. I'm going to go with Jerick McKinnon for this week, but those are tough options with low floors. So keep that in your mind when you go to look to build your roster construction. But I would play Jerick McKinnon tonight over a Zach Moss or a Damian Harris this week. That is going to do it for the show. I hope you guys all enjoyed it. Now you can go back to your election news, and we'll watch to see what happens there. But make sure you tune back in tomorrow to get another break at from 12 o'clock to 1.30 on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. We'll recap the Thursday night game. We'll give you your injury updates, and we will have the previews for the late window of games tomorrow. So make sure you tune in for that. You can, talk, you, you can hit us up on your favorite streaming app after the show, and also follow us on social media at... At Belly Up MDFF Show. Make sure you check out the updated rankings before Thursday night's matchup tonight on BellyUpFantasySports.com. That does it for me, Dan Mater, on the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Everyone, take care, stay safe, stay happy, enjoy Thursday night football, and we'll see you all again tomorrow. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team, team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.